Michael Perlet. I'm Asher Collins, and together we bring you Exercise Equals Life Podcast. Thank you for joining the Exercise Equals Life podcast. Today we have on Morgan Gregory. Uh, he's the strength coach for the Phillies. Thank you, Morgan, for coming on. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, small minor correction here. Uh, I'm actually the director of strength conditioning and nutrition, so I have to remind myself not to forget uh, each part of that at times because I know by trade I'm a strength coach. I've been um, a strength conditioning coach in professional baseball for 11 years and been a professional strength coach for 12 years. And uh, I have to remind myself a lot of times that, that it's not just one thing anymore, that I do have a whole other realm uh, of a player's aspect of their day in the nutrition side of things. But, uh, yeah, this is my second season with the Philadelphia Phillies. I spent the previous nine years in various capacities as a strength conditioning coach, specifically um, with the Cincinnati Reds organization. Um, and I've, like I said, by trade, I am a strength conditioning coach, but uh, I think by nature, I am just a baseball person. Um, you know, I love working in the game. I love working with players and I love working around how to uh, better improve our approach to the game, whether it be player centric or how it is we approach uh, the training of players or, or how it is we move through a season. So it's not just weight room. It's not just, um, eat kale. You know, I think there's, there's more to it than that. And so I'm on the ever never ending quest to find, um, the proper way to do things. And that's probably what motivates me the most or what drives me rather the most is understanding that this may be a, uh, infinite battle towards where it is we're going, because I don't know if we'll find what we will ever find a perfect way to do things, but that is the quest is to find how it is we will approach um, the most optimal performance, optimal performing baseball players, uh, whether they be pitchers, position players, 18 year olds or 36 year olds. Yeah. No, my apologies for not, uh, including the nutrition performance aspect of it. Oh, That's no, a big, you're fine. A big part of your job as well. I think you do a well job assimilating the two. Well, it's hard wearing multiple hats, you know, it's the, the the most important hat you wear is, is the problem that's in front of you. <laughs> so it's maybe yeah. the king of the pivot. Yeah, that's, that's a very good, very good point. But I think um, the great part about this, um, where I am currently, and the thing I love about it is that really the only hat we all wear is the Phillies hat, right? So um, I know that seems cliche, but if I look at it that way versus looking at it like I am a strength coach, I need to do everything when it comes to strength conditioning, or I am um, the manager of all the dietitians. I need to make sure that goes well. If I do that, that in that way, it, it tends to get tunnel visioned on me, you know, me, and, and I've seen it happen to other people too, where I would then just become protective over the weight room or protective over what the diet plans and programs are versus what the actual job is, is to, um, work towards the success of this organization. And so if I approach everything with that in mind, with the very first thing is what's going to help this organization be successful. 
And then the next thing being what is going to help these players help this organization be successful. And the next thing being how can I support the baseball staff to help these players help this organization be successful. And then in the fourth most, how can I help myself help these players help this staff help this organization be more successful? If I approach things in that that way, it takes away me having to be protective over one of the fields that I'm working with. That's very you know, that's well said. A very, as the oldest guy in the room, uh, that is a very evolved way of looking at the skill of management. You know, the ones that do it as well as you, and I like to think myself, bring a certain fluidity that we probably didn't have when we were younger. You know, and we were kind of like tunnel vision about, okay, this is my department, these are my goals, blah, 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 blah. But when you do kind of, as I said before, we went on the air, I run a company and I wear every hat and I'm still a clinician as an occupational therapist. There, there has to be a blend. You, you can't have tunnel vision. You have to have this really broad field of vision about what you're doing as you move through the day. And that's the word that I always come to is a sense of fluidity and my ability to weave it all together somehow and make this the optimal situation, whatever's in front of me and pull whatever skill sets I have or resources I have to make that happen. And that sounds very much like what you're doing. Yeah. It's, it's always so interesting. I, you know, I talk with a lot of young strength coaches who want to want to get into baseball or, or um, want to get into the strength conditioning as a field. And, you know, especially when, when you come out of college and when you get out of your first internship or first job or two, or maybe graduate school, you know, you are so fresh on all the knowledge of things and the, the, physiology of it all and the science of it all, or even the practical side as a textbook would give you. And it's so easy to have the confidence because that's what hopefully higher education can give you is the confidence that you are capable to embark upon the career that it is you, you want to do. So I think <clears throat> I talked to a lot of young kids and I remember the way, where I was when I was 21 thinking, oh, I'm, I'm ready to take it all on. I know how mm -hmm. You know, I know how to properly periodize a program. I know how to properly, you know, work in um, phases and things like that throughout uh, a season and an off season and how it works with the difference between preseason, in season, postseason, you know, out of season. And that is very, like, you know, it's very narrow and it's supposed to be. And that's what higher education is really all about. Uh, but then as, as you talked about, as you move forward and, your scope becomes broader and, and things go from, I'm working with a specific athlete or a specific team at a specific time. And it goes towards now I'm working with an organization and I have a staff and we've got multiple players in multiple different phases at all times. That's where it has to broaden. And I went through a few years thinking, I went through a few years thinking I need to try to give, young people this knowledge and, and let them know that things need to be broader. But then lately I've got to think, I think some of the things that have helped me get to where I am currently is the fact that I went through that phase of things being a lot more narrow and then it got broader as my scope got wider. You know, the first time I started managing strength coaches, I managed three strength coaches in the Dominican Republic. I was the Latin American strength coordinator with the Reds and I was managing three strength coaches. And then you know, a few years later I became the strength coordinator. I was managing 11 strength coaches and, you know, now I manage 14 strength coaches and, and 
four dietitians and, you know, roughly 250 player programs across, you know, all types of affiliates. So it, I think that natural evolution of how my career has gone, how it's all worked has given me the ability to do this and not when I was 21, somebody saying, Hey, you need to be broader. And then me just going, yep, click. It needs to be broader. I think working through that has what has been what helped me out the most versus me just saying, Hey kid, you need to be, you need to be broader minded. And then boom, it clicks. Yeah. It's almost <laughs> tough to have that recognition to be broader minded without the experience. Right. As you said, a lot of your basic knowledge was textbook definitions. And you've then developed the, the capacity to have that broader vision. We tried to acquire so much knowledge in the beginning that, you know, it tends to be very black and white. This is correct. This is incorrect. Um, and honestly, I have, I don't think there's any other way to get all that in your head. I mean, there's just a ton of facts that we all beat into our brains to get the credentials that we have. Um, and, you know, you're never not developing, you know, at all. As long as you're alive, you're developing. So I agree with you. It, some, of, some of it comes with the years and a lot of anecdotal experience where you can say, okay, I tried that, it really didn't work that well, but I tried that, it worked really, really well. So I'm gonna try it again and modify it, see if it works again with player X or, or patient X. Um, it, it also has to come from an experiential confidence where the best definition of a pro I ever read anywhere was being a professional doesn't mean you know everything. It means you know what you know, you know what you don't know, and you know where to go find out. And that has stuck with me forever because I think it's a very simplistic way of putting it, but it's absolutely true. And getting back to that whole thing, Morgan, where you were saying it took a while, and I, it took a while for me too, to be able to say, you know what, I honestly don't know, but I'm gonna research this and I'll get back to you. That has never spun around to bite me in the butt. That has been a confidence booster to anybody I ever said it to, and a confidence booster to me as well, because I'm not winging it. I don't think you should ever wing it, doing what we do. Um, and it kind of unburdens you from that. I have to be all things to all people all at the same time, which is unrealistic. So like I said, I mean, just, I have never said that to anybody and had them go, okay, I'm going to need to work with someone else. You know, that is, oh, cool. Thank you. You know, so we'll talk about it when you're back. Yeah, I yeah. think, um, go ahead, Michael. No, definitely being the pro in our industry requires that research knowledge, something you do a lot of. A lot of uh, deep dive into the scientific literature for strength and conditioning to to develop your programs for your athletes. Yeah, you know, at this point, too, the things that you read and the things that you learn are they're you know tools in your box, and and you know you add in different shapes and sizes tools so that when you come into situations, you you hopefully have a tool in your box that can fit that need. Um, but Asher, like you said, man, is, is when you don't have that tool, understanding where the store is and you can go get it. I think yep. one of the things that you guys talked that, that you guys have both alluded to that I'm coming more to is I've worked with some of the smartest strength coaches that, that I could have ever imagined as far as knowledge base comes. 
But the real difference in a smart strength coach and a good strength coach or a smart practitioner and a good practitioner is the connection with the human that they're dealing with. And that comes with a compassion towards the other human's circumstance where when they ask you something or they want something and you're, you genuinely want to know for them what it is that can help them. So you say, I don't know, I'll figure it out. I will find out because I really care and want to know versus mm -hmm. the ego that may say, I want to be right here. This is the answer that I think is right. And now you can ride off into the sunset thinking I'm the smartest strength coach in the world. And the difference between those smart strength coaches is that separation between I have the amount of capability and knowledge to answer every single question I need to answer. And that's just the way it's going to be answer has been answered. And that's it versus the, I don't care about what it is. My ego would say I should know what I do care about is I need to get you the right answer as best as I possibly can. And that takes away all personal feelings of whether or not you think I'm smart or whether or not you think I'm capable of answering this question or not. And it just adds in what it always should be is you and that person, you know, whether if it's a, a client or if it's a player or if it's whoever it's you and that person against whatever that person's circumstances yeah. instead of me versus what this person just told me. Yeah. And that, is the very definition of holism, a holistic approach to what you're doing. Correct. Yeah. So you be humble and holistic. You know, it's funny that holism term, right? And I know like in, within this, uh, the educational system, right? Of exercise science, strength and conditioning, the principle of individuality is always touched on, but it's always just a brief mention. It's never something that's taking the time to really develop. You just stated why that principle is so important. Individuality. And after you said holism. Yeah. I think, I think to people, you know, the, this word collaboration gets used a lot. And, and so if you imagine, you know, I collaborate with, with the PT to accomplish something, right? Uh, the PT says, we need to work on, you know, we need to work on X. And I say, okay, well, where I am, I can work on this. Where you are, you can work on that. And then hopefully X gets better. I think that's collaborating. Yeah. There's a difference between collaborating and then truly integrating, becoming one together and then attacking what it is you're doing versus I'm attacking over on the right. He's attacking over on the left. And then hopefully in the middle, we can move forward. So if there's enough tension on the right, there's enough tension on the left, we can move the center forward versus let's create one, one band that is not only right and left, but it's also center. And now we can push forward together. And now we know that whatever is in our wake is moving forward. I think, and then when there are hiccups and there are speed bumps, we're, we're together. There's no, well, you messed that up. No, you messed it up. They're, we're all together. And I think that is holistic. That's, that's holistic. It's not collaborating with, you know, PTs and nutrition and, and, um, strength conditioning and mental performance. That's not at all 
uh, holistic. That is, you know, collaboration. And I think that can work in certain fields. But I think when it comes to the matters of, of working with humans, and it doesn't matter in what capacity, that I think the only way to do it is the way you guys are talking about is, is how can we be truly one whole? How can we be whole yeah. together? So that when we fail, when, when something fails, we fail. When something succeeds, we succeed. And we don't look at it like, well, that wasn't my fault that the, that this broke down or it wasn't, you know, I had nothing to do with that part because my part worked. You know, I believe when, when I first met Michael, I gave a, a talk at a college for the, for the NSCA. And I talked about um, how we view integration here. And, you know, I say, if, if Michael and I are, are a table building, if Michael and I are building a table, and you come to us and, and you say, hey, uh, you know, I want you to build a table. And I say, okay, I'm going to build the top of the table. And uh, Michael's going to build the legs of the table. And I go to my store and I build the top. And Michael goes to his store and he builds the legs. And then we come to the person's place and we stick the legs in the top. And we say, there's your table. We've just collaborated. He built the legs. I built the top. And then you sit down for your big Thanksgiving feast and you put the turkey on top and then boom, the table let the, the table snaps in half. The top of it just snaps. It's easy enough for Michael to put his hands up and say, well, I, uh, I didn't, I didn't have anything to do with the top. Yeah. Not my fault. And the legs are perfectly fine versus if you were to come to, if Michael and I come together and we have a company called tables or tables incorporated, and we're just the table company. And you come to us and we build a table and you put your turkey on top and the top of it snaps in half. It's not Michael's fault. It's not my fault. Now we can go to the studs and figure out where it is we can get better as a group and make this a better table. But we're not sitting here pointing at the tabletop person or the legs person as to what happened wrong. What we're doing is we're going to internally look as a company, what, what do we need to do to make sure we reinforce our tables better and then reattack the issue where it is versus looking backwards at all times and saying that's mm -hmm. their fault that's this person's fault and then we're sitting there turning things over just trying to to find fault versus really moving forward into how it is we can progress and you know yes from the bottom of my heart yes and i'm finding <clears throat> and that's one of the real reasons that we're doing this podcast is that there are there's like a groundswell of people who get that, this whole approach to how we do what we do with patients and clients and athletes. Um, but I just spent a very frustrating morning with exactly what you just outlined, where director of health and wellness is finger pointing at my company because of something. And I am running you know, around going, I needed a certain piece of clinical information. I cannot access it due to HIPAA violations. I'm not going to be able to get it. I've been clear about that. I have wanted to do X, Y, and Z for this patient. I need to know if a certain clinical um, test was given in order to provide best service, right? Tons of finger pointing. I went to the source doctor. I did everything a human being can do. And I finally came to the worst place that I like to be, which is where I kind of yelled at everybody collectively. And I'm like, I keep hearing everybody talking a broad streak about transparency teamwork, even though we're, you know, I'm an outside vendor for God's sakes. And I'm like, I'm not hearing it or seeing it. I keep coming to you with solutions and I keep getting blowback, but it's not my fault. I didn't say it was your fault. 
I said, here is a solution. If you would just get out of your own way and stop defending yourself with your, at the ramparts of your ego, I'm handing you a solution. And then you, there was a big, uh, okay, so I will do X. I'm like, thank you. And this could have been done two weeks ago. But so I, I do find that there's a lot of people like us who are getting it, but you still find the fragility of everyone's domains and egos periodically cropping up. And you're like, oh, dear God, it's still 1960 in this room. <laughs> We're still doing the hierarchical thing, you know? You know, I wake up every morning and I, you know, I'm a, probably a naturally egotistical guy, uh, but I wake up every morning and try to leave it leave it in my bedroom and it's a struggle every day. And I don't think, I think that's something you, we, we all have to continually work on. I don't think it comes naturally to a lot of people to be just completely, um, you know, ego free. I think, uh, naturally when somebody comes and says, you know, I don't like this, that you just did. Our first reaction is to fire back. You know, it's one of the easiest things is to, to, Someone says, well, you know, someone goes, oh, Morgan, you know, you don't smell good. It's easy. It's the easiest first thing for me to go, well, you don't smell good. You know, I think it's mm -hmm. difficult to listen to what it is people say and not how they say it. And it's, yep. that's a, not an easy thing to do. And like I said, I, I preach that so much, you know, is leave, you know, try to try to approach the situation, especially when training or working with athletes or working with clients, try to approach it as ego free as you can, because in that way, you know, you can both come together and, and work towards what it is you're trying to do. But it's still difficult to think, you know, a lot of times, especially just for example, these, these professional athletes, they've got people chirping at them at all times saying, Hey, if you're not doing this strength conditioning wise, then you're, you know, you're missing out. And these are salespeople. Sometimes these are friends of them. They're, these are their friends sometimes. And there's all types of people who, who can get in. And sometimes these players, they'll listen to it. They'll hear it and they'll go, yeah, you know, this person's right. If I'm not doing this thing, then I'm not as good as I could be. And then they'll come to me and be like, Hey, I listened to this really smart podcast the other day and, or, you know, talked to this person the other day and they told me I should be doing this. So I should be doing this. And the first thing in me at, at all times when that comes is, whoa, you know, is this person your strength coach? Is this person the yeah. director of strength conditioning for the Philadelphia field? Is this person done what I do? You know, that's like the first thing that comes to my mind, but I immediately have to check that and say, okay, well now let me really look, let me dive in now, you know, let me really dive into whatever it is you're talking about so that we can most safely and um, confidently at, go towards this, either figure out if it's something you do need to do or not, and we can do it together. And I think that increases the buy-in of all the people around those types of people, because there isn't an immediate strike back because that immediate strike back is going to do one of two things. It's going to create a reaction of, all right, this guy's super defensive on this. So I need to go away from the defensive person and towards the non-defensive person, or it's going to cause a, um, all right, this podcast must be stupid because this guy has said it yeah. versus more of an even lukewarm response. You're hundred percent correct. I mean, like my, my first message to dissolve this whole snarl was I'm completely empathetic to the problems you're going through, but I needed you to be quiet. So you could even hear me say that. And then I presented my solution. Like, I'm not saying 
all the, all the things you're bumping up into aren't there and that you're not running around doing your level best against everything that you have to do. It's not the conversation I'm trying to have with you. I'm trying to say, these are the limits of my capacities. This is my solution to that. I have done everything I can do, but I do hear you. I am completely empathetic. I kept using that word to what you're saying. I get it, but I think this will work. So let's give it a shot, but you're right. That's exactly all human beings are defensive. That's, that's evolution. You know, if if we weren't defensive on some level, we'd all be dead. (laughs) But I completely agree. What gives me hope is this evolution that I'm seeing across professions, across domains of practice, where it gives me hope that a lot of people are getting this new stance of how to do things less the defensive aggression that can sometimes bleed into any conversation. Yeah, I think no, all those, principles, all those principles are very true. And I just actually finished this morning reading Crucial Conversations. If you've heard of that book, Morgan. I have not heard of that one. Okay. So it um, briefly just outlines how you should approach any situation respectively and kind of how you alluded to how you build the, the setting to create the context for a player who may approach you with in, you know, another idea of strength and conditioning that he heard or she heard along the way. But how you can use that for any sort of situation where seeing how the other person reacts, using that information, creating the groundwork, and then ultimately establishing an outcome that's viable for both parties. But very timely for you to mention that and myself to finish that book earlier this morning. There you go. Yeah. Learning on life. Freedom, Michael. <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't have enough to do in, 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 with all the school stuff that he's doing, but he's now. He, he, how many books do you read? You just bought 13 books off Amazon? I'd be blind. <laughs> yeah, there's, there's time for these books somewhere between. Unbelievable. What? I tell you what, this kid impresses me more and more and more with his focus, his drive. I have, in all, in 42 years of working, I've never met any, anybody that can hold focus like this kid. Yeah, I'm picking up on that, that, you know. <laughs> we've, we've known each other for all of four months at this point, and uh, I'm definitely picking up on that, which is it's really cool. It gives us, uh, it gives us hope for uh, a pretty bright tomorrow when it comes to uh, where this field is going, where this world is going, uh, and things like that. You know, I think... The, the coolest part uh, about, you know, since like when Michael and I met, <clears throat> he was graciously, you know, came and picked me up in New York to bring me to New Jersey, which was, gosh, about what, an hour and a half drive or something like that. Um, yeah. And traffic, but... <laughs> I think, uh, you know, the level of curiosity that, that yeah. is that you, you had instead of, you know, sitting there and, just talking about all the things that you're doing, which could have felt filled the whole car ride for sure. And all the, the great work that you're doing and um, some of the lab work you're doing and, and the things that you plan to do in the future, um, that could have filled the whole car ride. But I think uh, we had a really good conversation um, that was just, it was mutually curious about um, each other's, you know, not just our knowledge bases, but our backgrounds, each other as human beings. And so it helped us connect a lot better. So now that we've connect, now that we connected, 
in the first car ride, the second car ride, we did the same thing. And then we've just been connecting ever since. And then I think that general curiosity from both of us, but, you know, namely the general curiosity that you met me with, it just was able to, to make me feel a lot better and, and disarm me a little bit. So that connecting was then much easier, uh, which is not an easy thing to do because especially I think in this world, we go one of two vast ways, right? Let me post all about myself or, or tell everyone what I'm doing in the day because, you know, me eating at this restaurant is so interesting versus right. let me ask questions and be curious about other people mm -hmm. so that I can learn more things and have more experiences. Because if I sit here and just talk about myself for an hour, then all I've done is give you guys the experience of learning from whatever it is I'm saying, whether or not it's fruitful or not. But the more we ask questions and listen to each other, the more we both are able to learn mutually and then, you know, take that with us on to the next moments in our life. Wow. That was beautifully stated. And thank you for that. Yeah, absolutely. Thank you. Yeah. No, I mean, our car ride was amazing. All the, all the good, good knowledge we just shared back and forth. Yeah, I'm going to be talking about that. Anyways, let's, let's turn the focus back to you on this. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm curious. Um, you mentioned, I forget the term you used, but you alluded to, um, for lack of a better word, I think you used mind. I, I don't know if it was mindset or, or whatever, but um, you clearly have a very holistic approach to what you're doing with your players. So, you know, you're covering the physicality of it, you're covering the nutritional aspects of it, but it sounds to me like you're also sensitive to the fact that this human being has a mind and problems and emotional ups and downs and lefts and rights like the rest of us, which is affects everybody's performance no matter what they do. That's what we call I'm having a bad day. Um, how do you, you know, with your professional athletes, how do you kind of approach that when it's not a physical issue at all, but you're off? Your game is off. Yeah, that's a great, that's an outstanding question. You know, and with 162 regular season games plus, you know, 20 to 30 spring training games, and, and then you tack on another 10 to 15 postseason games, you see these players in all kinds of days. They're days when they're mm -hmm. on, they're days when they're off physically, they're days when they're on, they're days when they're off mentally, and they're days where they're one or the other, you know, they don't click um, one or the other. <clears throat> and what they do is so impressive anyway, you know, beyond, mm -hmm. um, it's just above and beyond impressive uh, of what they do. And so anybody who's ever listened to me talk before, I always kind of come back to this concept to answer your question. I believe that in the foundation of everybody that I work around, the players, the staff, um, even the fans in the stands, we're all human, right? We all have to wake up in the morning. We have to breathe in and out. We have to judge ourselves. So to look in the mirror and be okay with who it is we see. Um, we all need to eat. We need to digest. We need to continue to do the things that keep us alive as human beings. And now where we really come in as, um, strength conditioning professionals or performance professionals is in the next level, right? We're working, I'm working with athletes, no matter what position you play, everybody is an athlete. They all have to be able to create force, 
translate that force and accept that force. They all have to be able to close and open their joints um, at some type of speed, you know, faster, slower. Um, they need to be able to tempo that speed based on the situation of the day. Uh, all these athletes have to do these things. And then you go up to the tip of the spear and that's when you become the baseball player. You're the pitcher, you're the hitter, you're the catcher, you're a shortstop, you're a different, all these different things. And so in the genesis of this whole thing, as we're all human. And so I think understanding that at the base layer, everybody has to spring from that foundation before. Like if, if I told you that you were going to get uh, a pitcher, but this pitcher doesn't breathe. He has not breathed yet today. You tell me that's impossible or that this guy's going to die. If I told you, you're going to get this position player or this catcher, but he hasn't, he hasn't eaten yet today, has not eaten at all. You're going to say, well, that's not ideal. And then if I tell you, you're going to get this um, hitter, but this hitter that is not okay with who he's looking at in the mirror and he's having a very tough time judging himself, but here you go work with this hitter. You're going to tell me not ideal. So I think in the outset, if we approach all the people that we work with, like I said, this is notwithstanding just athletes. If we approach all the people that we work with, understanding that the largest piece of this person is the human that they wake up with in the morning. I think that allows for a level of compassion towards the next levels up the athlete, the, the pitcher, the athlete, the hitter, the athlete, the position player that allows for that. So that when they come in and they are having an off day, I'm not just beating my head against, you know, what are, um, what are possibly force force metrics that I can look into why this guy's not doing well. What are the baseball metrics of what the, what this guy's doing that's not well? Yeah, we can go into that. However, to start at that base layer of how are these things going? And then we can move upward. If we move from the base of that, from the foundation upward, I think we'll be in a good situation at that place versus starting at the top and then trying to drill our way down. That's going to take much longer. And I think it's going to, we're going to find ourselves drilling much farther down than we would if we start at the bottom, because I don't think we're gonna have to go up very high um, at all times. You know, that's fascinating to me because in OT, we talk a lot, especially in the literature about a bottom up approach or a top down approach. And I am 100% a bottom up approach. If, if you, you know, start at the structural, if you will, bottom of, of this person and climb up, you hit something pretty, pretty significant fairly quickly whether that's a body, mind, or spirit thing, you know. Um, but if yeah, if you, I can, if you just approach it from top down, honestly, I think you can sometimes miss it. I agree. Or I, I, I've found that a lot of times you stop too short. You look at something and you think you found it, yeah. and you say, "Oh, it's because they're not doing this thing." I know the answer now. You know, like we, you know, we can go back to the very beginning. Like oh, I found the answer. I have found it. The answer is this, the answer is this baseball thing or this athlete thing that they're not doing. And when in reality, if you, if you had started at the bottom, you realize that that whole thing started a long time, like it started way lower, <clears throat> excuse me, started way lower, um, than it did high. And so I think that 
like you said, you know, you'll either miss it or you'll, you'll miss tag it. And I think both are equally as dangerous to the long-term success of, of our clients or our athletes. 100%. I completely agree. I love the fact that, you know, in, in what we're talking about, in all its aspects, we're coming back to the human component, the compassionate component, the empathetic component. Um, I, I don't succeed. I don't succeed in, in problem solving on any level if I don't find a key to get into the person that I'm talking about and actually get to a point where they feel safe enough to have a discussion. Like administratively today, that was a pure administration discussion, but I got there. It took me a while, but I got there to be finally heard that I'm not attacking you. I'm not saying you're inept. So yeah, I, I do think, um, you have to really approach every encounter fairly defenseless, which is not an easy stance, especially if you're the one being attacked. I mean, you know, I make a joke that I'm a street fighter, like, you know, I'm not backing up. <laughs> But if you, if you do go in with your armor off and just keep telling people, I'm not judging you, I hear you. So let's figure this out so that we can come up with, you know, something coherent that makes sense to both of us and then implement it and tweak it as we go along until we problem solve. And also there's, there's a thing that nobody really likes to talk about where for some reason, unbeknownst to me, I just have an off day. Uh, you know, Michael and I joke about this. Keeping it on the physical is a good example. I go, I still lift the way I did 30 years ago. I, I, I'm, I'm strong. So for 30 years, I've never been able to figure out how come when I'm well-fed, well-rested, ah, you know, really feeling my oats, I go in the gym, and I'm like, meh, body's just not answering. Other days, I go in and I'm like, this is not going to go well at all. And I, I'm, I'm like a beast. I have never been able to, even as a clinician, I'm like, I don't know why that happens. I just know it happens. And that's where I started to think recently, somehow or other, that's in your head. It's not, it's less physical, but even tired, you were having a quote unquote good day. You felt buzzy about yourself. You felt good about the day. You accomplished something that you wanted to, whatever it is, but you were in a good headspace. So you can, you can be well-fed, well-rested the whole bit, but if you're not in the right headspace, whether it's lifting weights, which is the example I'm using, or solving a documentation problem. I find that's the biggest difficulty in life is when you or someone around you isn't in a receptive, good headspace. How do you click out of that? And if we could come up with a solution to that, we'd be billionaires. I think, I think yeah. that's, that's the rock that every human being gets foisted up on where you're like, I don't know why I'm off. I just know I'm off. Leave me alone. <laughs> I'm trying to figure it out. Um, and so, like, you have to, whether it's yourself to yourself or yourself to a patient or a player, My, I kind of, like, just forgive it. I'm like, all right, so you're having a bad day. Tomorrow yeah, think- it'll be a better day, and we'll move forward. But even more so than a bad day, it may just be a bad period of the day. Yeah. Yesterday I was full of energy, right? Just self-example, but I was full of energy in the morning, great afternoon, did some lab research, some other work, and I was excited to go work out at the gym. Ash and I did a workout together last night. Uh, it was upper body focus, and I just could not get my attention. 
it was so draining being there physically, yeah. mentally. There was some mental component just wasn't wasn't on yesterday being in the gym environment. But I think it appreciated those times. Um, you know, again, that sounds very cliche, but you know, like the tough days, I, I, I think taking a look at it, I think sometimes it kind of frustrates other people that, you know, when I have a tough day, I think appreciating the pieces of it that I know future, I always joke with people that future Morgan's going to love this day. Um, and I think appreciating <laughs> those moments that, you know, you know, yeah, it's tough right now, but it's going to be. You know, we'll either I'll enjoy getting past it and I'll enjoy having the good day later. Um, or I'll take something from this, like you said, you know, I'll take something from this that um, is going to make me even better. I think that appreciation of things, it goes to make that moment a better moment than it would have been if you fight against it. Um, so it's, I know it's, it's easy for me to say, you know, um, I work for major league baseball organization. So I kind of have a, I have a, a play job every day. You know, it's like, I, I come to work, but it's the, it's like a playground for me every single day. So it's hard to have bad days here and I don't have bad days, but even when I do have tough points of the day, it's easy to sit here and appreciate those. And it's easy for me to appreciate them in general, just because, um, you know, just because I love being here so much that I would do it even if I had, if they told me, hey, you have two weeks of vacation, my vacation would be still coming into the ballpark and working because I love it so much. But so it's easy for me to appreciate those very rare tough times as very rare tough times and understand that I will continue to roll forward and appreciate that, that moment that I had that was tougher than the one before it. Yeah, I think... What we're saying in essence is you can't get stuck. You know, if, if you're moving forward incrementally, even if, you, if you're going through a rough patch, as long as you are in fact moving forward, you're going somewhere. You know, I, that, I mean, I really think that's the genesis of the old expression, you know, you better keep it moving. Yeah. Do something. <laughs> if you're proactively doing something, you're going somewhere, you know, and, and, Sometimes that's that's the hardest message I find in getting into people's heads who are in some sort of a, a crisis, or it's really not a crisis, but they perceive it as such. Or I think that you know we all we all can be very rough on ourselves, and I I always come back to that. Like if if you're doing something, if you're proactively doing something, you're gonna get somewhere, and so you're winning. It's okay. You know, some days you win by leaps and bounds, and some days you win by an inch, but you're still going forward. Yeah. Yeah. Even I with that, that outside the perspective of. Sorry, Morgan, what was that? I said I couldn't agree more. I, I completely agree. Yeah. I was going to say, even with that outside perspective, someone going through a crisis, maybe it is their, their doubts and their fear, their fear of failure, you know, not letting that. The new. Uh, yeah. What was that? Paralyze you. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, Morgan, that, that touches back on, on, on the whole humble aspect of, of what we need to do. You're lying if you say you haven't had the 3 a.m., you know, whirling head, what am I going to do next, doubts about some sort of a situation, whether it's personal or professional or some combination of the above. But we've all done the 3 a.m. thing. And when I find it so... 
helpful when I recognize that somebody's just up in their head because we've all been up in our head and you can kind of break it down for them a little bit and go, again, you don't have to get it all done today. Get something done today. And I can't explain to you why, but I can just tell you tomorrow or the day after you'll be in a better headspace. It just works that way. So when, when the tough times come, when the crappy times come, as long as you're moving forward, you're going to be fine. When you're locked standing still, now, now we have an issue. Yeah, that, that's no, I something think really that's, that's to buy into. I think that's you know, something to truly that's, buy that's, into. I think once you've, once you've bought into that as just a way of, of life and not just something that you do, understanding that, you know, moving on and moving forward, the things that all, all the things you just said, if you're bought into that, you know, ideally from all the things that you're doing, right? If it's exercising, if it's working towards something, if you're bought into your process of how it is you're doing things, it goes from, that's just the way you live your life and that you are moving forward to something that you have to consciously do. And I know that it starts out as a conscious decision, but at a certain point, it just becomes a way, it becomes a part of your character, becomes a part of who yep. you are. Yep, exactly. exactly. Awesome. Well, Morgan, thank you for coming on the podcast. That was a great discussion. Absolutely, man. Thanks for having me. I appreciate appreciate you guys' time. Yeah, oh, no, this, this was an absolute complete pleasure, and, and I'm looking forward to the day where we get to shake hands and do it in person. Yeah, it sounds great to me. You name the time. How can the audience reach out to you, Morgan, if anyone has questions? Yeah, I think my email address, um, if you want to pin that, I think that'd be great. Um, always welcome. I'm not necessarily always the fastest at getting back to people, but I do get back to everyone. Um, and that's an absolute promise. 